Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Psyche Podcast. Uh, You're here with me Hannah. Um, How has your week been? Mine has been busy. Um, Although saying that Sunday I had a complete do nothing day. Um, So I just lounged on the sofa, uh, watched TV, uh, did not do really anything productive. Um, To be honest, if I didn't have to drop my partner at work because his car's playing up, I probably would not have got out of my pajamas. Um, It was just I needed one of those days. Um, And I think that Uh, Something actually that we're going to be discussing next week on the podcast is burnouts and overwhelm and that feeling of just having too much going on. And that is something that definitely resonates with me and how my life has been over the last 18 months or so. Um, So yeah, something we're going to dive into a bit more next week. So um, normally I do this bit at the end of the, the podcast, but we're doing it now. So let's just go with it. Uh, so if you've got any questions about burnout, any thoughts, any stories that you want to share about strategies that you've used when you're feeling overwhelmed or anything like that, then we would love to hear from you to include that in next week's show. So you can get in touch with us at Psyche Coaching, P-S-Y-K-H-E Coaching on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook or you can drop me an email, hannah at psyche.co.uk, psyche with a K. Yeah, I need. I needed just one of those days, uh, a sofa day basically. But apart from that, I've had, yeah, a good week but a busy week. I went to the university on Saturday. Uh, so this is part of me upskilling myself and looking out for my personal development and kind of thinking about the next step and as I've said countless times and probably will say countless more you know I love to learn I love to read I love listening to podcasts and learning and I know that definitely there are some book recommendations coming up uh, not from me actually um, in this podcast so I'm always learning something and it's thinking about what the the next step is and what the next thing is so uh stay tuned I guess <laughs> for updates on on that and so I'm, I'm gonna hand over in a moment to uh the discussion that I had with Anna Marie uh so I just want to say thank you to Anna Marie for coming on the podcast um and it was a really really fun chat I really enjoyed catching up with her and finding out a bit more about the things that she does in terms of her coaching and particularly the uh, ultra running that she does um and as I've said before I'm not really a runner really not <laughs> not at all a runner um and that's something that we sort of you know discuss um in our chat but you know I definitely came away from this talk feeling really really inspired and um that inspiration will feed into something that will be coming in the new year. So um, I found it, yes, yeah, such um, an enjoyable, such an interesting chat. And I 
I just know you're going to get loads from it. So thanks again to Anna-Marie and I'm going to pass over to that chat now and I'll catch up with you afterwards. So hi, welcome back to the Psyche Podcast and I'm really excited today to be joined by Anna-Marie. So if you would like to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about you and what you do. So when I have the kind of shortened version of introducing myself, it tends to be I'm Anna Marie um, and I'm a performance coach with a quite severe ultra running habit. So what I've done is kind of blending the two key passions in my life, which is ultra running and coaching um, in no particular order, to be honest, um, starting with the coaching. Um, what I really love to do is to take people outdoors for walking and talking conversations. I just find that that really kind of shifts things up um, and brings a different dynamic into the conversation. And also by being amongst nature as well, it just brings kind of a different presence, whether you acknowledge it or it's just kind of unconsciously there in the background. Um, and then kind of on the other side, um, I'm part of a athletic team which is coordinated by a French company a French endurance company called WAA which stands for what an adventure which I very much believe kind of like aligns with my philosophy towards um, life so I've been very much um, very lucky to be supported by them for the last four years now Um, and I have the opportunity to travel to some amazing parts of the world and and race ultra which I kind of understand isn't everybody's cup of tea totally get it that running kind of 50 kilometers, 100 kilometers, 100 miles, um, often through quite challenging environments, um, be that mountain, jungle, desert, um, can be seen as a little bit bonkers. And yeah, I can't quite believe that I put myself through it for fun either. Um, But ultimately, it all comes back to me for performance, Um, whether it is working with a client, you know, ultimately, how can they perform better? How can they you know, be the best version of themselves? How can they show up each day and get the most out of it? Um, and I link that into my running. How can I be the best possible athlete that I can be? How can I have this kind of um, sustainable, healthy performance? Often we get quite sidetracked by goals, um, which, you know, they're great. They're a really useful tool, though they can become somewhat dominant at times. And when you start to live in the future and it's all about goal acquisition, then you're not actually living in the present and making the most of things. So how do you kind of get that balance? Um, so it's a far more kind of holistic view of performance. Um, and yes, I will bring very much the fundamentals in, whether that's looking after your physical, mental, emotional, or even, you know, spiritual well-being. Amazing. Uh, I have to admit, um, ultra running is not my cup of tea. I think I've mentioned before, running is not my forte. To be honest, even 5K is not. Um, I could, well, I don't know if I could cycle 50, uh, 100 miles, but I have done a long cycle. Um, so I sort of have a different endurance passion. But I just think it's amazing that it's something I struggle to get my head around, being able to have the I don't know what the right word is, like discipline to run for that long or the, the, I guess, the mindset and the focus. So, I mean, how long does it take you to run 100 kilometers, for example? (laughs) So (laughs) it it kind of, it kind of varies. It depends on the race. And I will admit I am a fair weather athlete. Um, I've been um, fortunate to live in some amazing countries in the world. And I do view running as a way of like seeing seeing the natural environment you know for me it's an element of escapism probably there is nothing more that I enjoy than being up in the mountains on my own 
on the hunt for this perfect trail um particularly is maybe that it's you know dusky and night comes on and the stars appear or conversely when it's kind of daylight so from a time perspective it's it's a tricky one um because of the terrain it can really impact like if you're just doing like a flat 100k you could probably kind of crack it out in oh, i don't know nine ten hours ish kind of thing though if you're going like terrain and technical um, a bit rocky a bit stony maybe some steps maybe some tree roots having to work around that and um, you're probably looking more in the line of I don't know 14 15 hours and do you do that non-stop in one chunk or would you break it up a little bit so so this is where again there's a kind of a different the world of ultra in itself is there's so many different kind of niches and um, I, I i enjoy racing single stage so yes you kind of set off and i very much see it as an adventure you know you're setting out you've put the training in you've kind of done loads of preparation be that from a mindset side i very much like to check the route out to know what's coming get my nutrition right um and it's all about breaking it down into chunks um you know is when you think of 100k it's just it's too immense it's too big um how can i make it into manageable kind of checkpoints and break it down um and i very much draw lessons from ultra into life as much as i do from life into ultra because as with any big project um you know whether for you like setting up the pod the podcast you know in itself setting up a podcast is an absolutely massive project and undertaking and in itself it can seem quite overwhelming though once you kind of step back and break it down and do the research and speak to people and get some advice and you know start kind of ticking things off then actually it makes it far more um, manageable and realistic, which is a great life lesson because often in life we can be distracted or put off by tackling something or a challenge or committing to something or changing our life because it can seem as, you know, too big, too hard. Oh, I, I, I can't do that. I haven't got the skills to do that. I haven't got the knowledge to do that. I haven't got the experience. Um, and, you know, when I started off ultra running, I've been running for, what, 15 years, but I started off with half marathon and then a marathon. And then, yes, my first ultra was a pretty kind of flattish one. And then, you know, yes, I did a multi-stage. And that in itself is totally different. So it's, it's, it's all, you know, it's all about learning about yourself, pushing your limits, um, challenging yourself. Um, and then ultimately, what can you kind of bring back into kind of daily, daily life? I will, I will admit I have got a military background. I was in the army for nine years. Um, and, you know, is there some form of discipline um, and determination and structure that I draw from my military career? And that kind of how does that shape, yes, my running, but also my coaching business and how I, you know, basically have created this portfolio life? Very much so. <laughs> but it's how do you kind of learn from your experiences, your failures? And it's often your failures that you learn the most from. Mm, absolutely. And I think that mindset shift that you mentioned there of breaking things down into manageable chunks is really important because like you said when I was starting the podcast it all felt a bit kind of awkward and a bit weird to do and then I started to approach people and now I just sort of left right and center so, you know telling people about the podcast and if someone does something interesting saying hey come be on the podcast and I think it's really easy isn't it to look at something that you've got to do and be really daunted by how much you have to do and it's about recognizing what is the next step rather than the end goal because obviously you can't just jump to the end goal it's just what is the next step focus on that and then the next step and the next step will fall in place after that so I think that's a really powerful thing to remember and I suppose 
at the moment for me a 5k (laughs) seem quite a lot but maybe I don't have the discipline to get out and get running but I think one of the key things you said there was that training and so I suppose you know if it's something that you enjoy and if you're training for it it's about that preparedness as well isn't it that you're prepared as much as you can be for these events and you've kind of put in that work so that when you get there you're uh, ready to go and, and and I know that you know running isn't everyone's thing I totally get that and it's 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 kind of what what do you have a passion about or it may be several and you know I love I love cycling um swimming meh, not so much um I know that you're kind of into your wild swimming um am, and, yeah. and, and you're like you know for me I like look at you do wild swimming and I'm like yeah not my quite thing <laughs> and you're like not quite running but you know I think we've got like a mutual respect and appreciation of what it takes and what we both get out of it um mm. and whether that's you know carving out time for yourself the feelings that you get from being in that moment carrying out that kind of sport and the mindset that you get from it and also the connection to the community that you're a part of whether you're wild swimming or running but also to nature as well and kind of being outdoors mm. and I found particularly over the summer and I was wild swimming every day um, in through July and August and at 7am half 7am so early and and I think it was so beneficial just I'm sure for my physical health but for my mindset for my mental health and I think it was that combination of cold water which is very good for you but that being outside that kind of beautiful setting and when we're wild swimming we tend to do sort of head up breaststroke because actually I think that the environment and the atmosphere is as much part of it as the actual swimming and it's taking in what's around you and and I always felt really grounded and really connected after I'd been in the water would you say when you're running is that the same kind of feeling you get in nature of sort of feeling grounded and feeling connected it 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 depends and it's almost shifted slightly as I've become more competitive so if I'm out it depends on the session um if I'm training and depending what the session is um mm-hmm. you know my program is I, I you know I work with a, a coach and he's at my program and there may there's usually like a definitive outcome needed from that session whether it's maintaining a specific pace or doing certain reps so that is then my focus mm-hmm. um though you know I'll often go out and recce the route of a race that I'm doing before um before the event I just for me mentally that kind of breaks it down um and then again that can kind of I kind of flick between being super focused on the route kind of what, what what's the ascent that I've done what's the descent I've done what the distance um marking off kind of like really obvious kind of site waypoint signposts that I can mentally then check off when I'm racing um and then, yes, it can kind of just slide into that, just being in amongst the mountains and just filled with awe at, wow, I am, you know, so insignificant set against this amazing backdrop. Um, and just it just kind of puts everything in perspective. And, you know, as I alluded to before, it, in a way, it's an awayism or, a, you know, escapism. And mm-hmm. The lives that we live and the pace that we live at and the influence of technology, actually being able to go, you know, in a way, retreat to the wilderness for some form of um, exercise. It's it's 
it it changes things. It really does. Just for me, I, it's almost my the, there's like a fog clears. You can kind of think clearer. I mean, I get some amazing ideas when I'm up in the mountains. Like elements of creativity and innovation. A lot of times, things will just kind of slot together, um, and I'll kind of come back, you know, refreshed and revitalized. Um, so I, I do think, um, yeah, I've done a lot of reading around um, nature and our relationship with nature. Um, and there's a great book at the moment, uh, The Nature Fix by Florence Williams, who she very much dives into the different aspects of it, of whether it's fractiles or the way that our brain is working or kind of the movement um, side of things. And, you know, draws on a, a massive range of academic literature, which, yes, I will bring into my running, but also into my coaching and the work that I do with my clients outdoors. And I'm always really intrigued by the experience that my clients have when they're outdoors and how, how how is the experience for them kind of what is what is different you know I have some clients who will maybe mix it up we'll do a bit virtual we'll do a bit outdoors or we'll do a bit outdoors and a bit walking into I'm sorry a bit outdoors and a bit um kind of more state sedentary coaching what what is the difference and you know some situations lend itself to being stationary if you're kind of drawing things out or doing something though ultimately you can still be outside or sat on a park bench or you know drawing inspiration from you know the view and um, you know the nature is such, so rich from a metaphor perspective as well that you can draw um, loads of analogies that way mm-hmm. and then I guess you have some clients who just love coffee so much they just yeah. want to always go to the same coffee place not mentioning any names like me. Uh, but uh, you know a good flat white I have to admit good, having lived yeah. in Sydney for two and a half years I was converted and you cannot beat like little shout out to the river house and prune to any of your listeners if yeah. they are in the vicinity check the cakes out and it's damn oh, good no, coffee really. yeah yeah but, <laughs> so I do feel a little bit now I sort of missed out on that outside walking talking experience but one of the things that you do um do alongside your running and your coaching is do your walking and talking um, events. I don't know if that's the right word to describe them. Uh, so do you want to talk a little bit more about what you do there? And I definitely think I'm going to come along to one of those and get, yeah, do you, that, walk definitely. <laughs> get that experience. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what that is and how that came to be? So our networks, which we run on a monthly basis, and I have to say, I am so proud that the initiative of networking seems to be spreading. Um, when Wafa, who is my networking partner, and I kind of came up with the concept three and a half years ago, um, and I generally don't know where networking comes from as a word. I mean, we we just kind of started talking about it because it's networking and walking and put them together, though Makes we sense. cannot claim to have invented the word by any means. Um, <laughs> I know that they have networking, which has been around longer in America, Though I genuinely have no conscious recollection of, you know, reading about it, searching online or anything. It just emerged. So for to kind of briefly set the context, I'd literally moved to Wiltshire um, after living in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, which is a totally different area we can dive into or not. (laughs) Um, So I was um, in the move. I very much rebranded my business. and was kind of starting from scratch. I hadn't lived in the UK pretty much ever because before that I was in the army. Then I lived in the Middle East, lived in Sydney, back to the Middle East. Okay, Wiltshire. Never <laughs> really lived in Wiltshire. I'm from the northeast, from Newcastle. So I very much had to, you know, get out and do the networking thing. 
Um, I'll admit I am a classic little introvert, highly sensitive person, and being indoors, surrounded by a load of people, having to stand up and do your two-minute pitch, I just really couldn't think of anything worse. And the fact that networking either seemed to revolve around like super early morning fried breakfast, lunch, expensive, not the greatest of spreads, or after work, alcohol. It just didn't, it just doesn't really fit with my lifestyle. You know, I train a lot. I'm generally tucked up in bed by half past nine with a chamomile tea. Um, and in the morning, that's my most creative time. So I want to be dedicating that time because it's the most valuable. Like an hour in the morning is worth about three hours in the afternoon um, to get stuff done. So anyway, I kind of sucked it up and went and got out and about and met some people and met the lovely Waffa at the Glove Factory um, in Holt, which mm-hmm. is an amazing creative uh, yes. workspace. Um, if you've been there or if not, oh, I would thoroughly recommend people to check it out. So every first Friday of the month, they have Rooster Talks. So I kind of went along to listen and learn and connect and met Waffa. And we ended up sat in the garden afterwards having a cup of coffee and chatting. Um, and she is the most warm-hearted person ever. And she invited me to lunch. We ended up going for a walk. And it was just, you know, my whole story about moving back from the Middle East. And my, you know, it wasn't really a massive fan of networking. And we just kind of got talking. And while we were walking, it's like, well, why don't we do networking while we're walking outside? And, you know, it kind of emerged. We then got a bit of a structure. I then pulled in um, like a, a coaching element to it. So it's not just you rock up and have a nice walk, uh, which in itself, you know, it's great. There's loads of walking groups around. If that's your thing, brilliant. Go for it. We very much wanted to pull together, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs or, you know, single freelancers who from all walks of you know, different sectors it really didn't matter just to kind of learn from each other and to share ideas. So we kind of decided on having a business theme for each walk and we have done a full range whether that you know yes beginning of the year maybe some goal setting our intentions things like you know the business of sleep um nourish your body and your business um so we're taking kind of quite a holistic approach but then also mm-hmm. diving into things like okay business development and um, social media um what are the biggest barriers and hurdles that you face by working on yourself and um, things like growth mindset so you know a total range and we often are linked to like national campaigns like mental health week um and within each we structure it so you have four 15 minute sessions and there's a coaching question attached to each one to unpack it which you know some people love and will chat away quite happily about other people will just park it and talk about something else which is fine um and yes we generally do finish afterwards where there is somewhere for coffee um and people can continue the conversation should they wish and it's just a really like the feedback we've had and we've it's been really lovely seeing like the community that we've built within the area and we have some regular loyal networkers who join us and we run them in you know Bradford Avon Bath Devices and um, we've had BBC Wiltshire kind of come along and feature us for their Step Into Summer campaign last year. Um, so, I mean, I'm just an advocate of getting people moving. And ultimately, if people other, you know, I'm, I'm also really passionate about encouraging other coaches to take their practice outdoors. And, you know, a lot of my clients that I'll have walking and talking conversations with, they'll, you know, they work within businesses. They're often at management or director level. They'll then go back to the business and then encourage walking and talking meetings. So for me, it's a bit like, the ripple effects um mm-hmm. this is not like an idea that like we've been walking for centuries for millennia when we walked out of africa we just seem to have kind of collectively ground to a halt put our feet up and just stopped 
and mm-hmm. it's for me it's about encouraging people to move more it's about getting outside being amongst nature a bit more how does that influence your mental health um and how does that then ultimately i don't know I'm a better person when I've spent time outdoors and I have a lot of people who are attracted to work with me because they feel the same. Hmm. Absolutely. I'm definitely, definitely going to check one out. Um, do you know what? I did have an idea possibly when I was wild swimming, like, oh, could I swim and coach at the same time? But I'm not sure that would work quite so well as walking and talking uh, with the coaching elements. Um, and actually the glove factory, um, that was where I recorded the interview um, that came out last week from now when we're recording this uh, with Sarah Jane Perrett that was at the glove oh, factory so yes. yes I know it and uh good coffee there as well <laughs> and they so, do um, amazing amazing seasonal supper clubs on a quarterly basis which are just total feasts they have tr- the trellises of tables are all just linked up um and they very much look at kind of seasonal local fare and just pull together an absolute veritable feast. So yeah, I would yeah. recommend that. Yes, I'm going to check that out as well. Um, awesome. So um, I'm going to throw in one of my questions uh, that I ask everyone. Uh, so the first one that I have for you is what always boosts your mood? Oh, I think, I think, I, 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 come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've maybe talked about some of this already. Yeah, I think, I think everyone at home is kind of going, oh, I know the answer to this one. It's going to be get outside. <laughs> Bingo, you got it. Well done. <laughs> so, yes, I, I very much firm advocate of get yourself outside for a bit of a bit of fresh air. Um, it, sometimes it's not easy. I mean, believe me, living in the UK, the weather. Uh, for me, the, the British weather is a, a bone of contention. Um, total fair weather. My husband is half Maltese. We spend a lot of time in Malta. Mediterranean lifestyle, far more preferable. However, I'm in Wiltshire for now um, I, uh, and I will embrace it. Um, I do work a lot from home um, and I regimentally break up the day into like literally 90 minute chunks. Again, it comes back to the chunking and I literally I will I'm sat on my ball now you can probably see me bouncing up and down a little bit um but I will get get myself outside and I will do like a walk around the block and that's like 15 minutes and you know I don't I don't have four-legged friends um but very much you know you get out you see four-legged friends you see two-legged friends you say hello you smile and I can guarantee that it breaks up like my productivity so you know I'll work on a certain task I'll get up I'll go for a walk around the block come back right okay reset what am I on to now so I do find even if I'm in a bit of a funk it'll be like right get yourself outdoors okay breathe breathe pause admire whether it's tree robin sparrows or just something to distract yourself from your own internal inane chatter um it just encourages you to be more outward looking and generally kind of a bit kinder to you know the world and then you can bring that into yourself as well so so that would definitely be my kind of one of my kind of was it mental I can't remember how you phrase it like mental boost your mood yeah boost this mood and yes so so that yeah very much kind of walk nature mood boosters in a way it's kind of taking that step back um and for me sleep is is like so important I'm a total total duvet monster um partly probably because I do a lot of training um so physically that's a demanding of my body um 
some of the conversations that I'll have with my clients, they will be more emotional than others. And I can, I can find that quite mentally fatiguing, quite mentally charging as well. And as a coach, how do you ensure that you are looking after yourself um, from like, you know, an ethical perspective as well? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so it comes back to sleep, because ultimately, you know, if I've not had a good night's sleep, I'm starting on the day like on a back foot. So like sleep is a non, it's non-negotiable. And I very much have a, a routine um in the build-up to like no screens you know reading um in bed kind of quarter to ten quieting down like off ten o'clock right okay and for me eight hours you know the classic eight hours is a bit of a myth anyway that's not enough I need more than that um so yeah um so clearly I'm a little learning junkie and I love reading so my book around sleep that I would recommend would be Why We Sleep by Matt Walker um so if you've not read his book check it out if you don't want to read your book or his reading's not quite your thing check out his talk at google which is a really kind of condensed version it's like you know it's an hour long and you can listen to it on audio or whatever um but yeah it's ram full of nuggets that really emphasizes the importance of sleep on an individual but also on a societal level um which is quite revealing um so yeah so mental boosters so that's kind of the sleep that kind of gets you. It's not really like a quick fix. It's more of a longer term thing. Um, and also, I don't know, a bit of a boost. There's a kind of a couple of one. It's a music as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I do find that, you know, s- certain music and depends how do you want to shift your mood? Is it a bit of, yeah, you know, random what's in the charts at the moment? Or is it more of a, okay, let's use some kind of like calmer meditative kind of style um be that chanting or just more classical music or something like that so that I think it's a a useful way to be able to interpret what what you actually do um and yeah food Mm. good coffee love coffee I know the whole coffee thing (laughs) but like a decent flat white oh my god it's just beautiful and smooth and accompanied by a bit of 70 percent dark chocolate I mean you get your beans you're grinding your beans it's like it's a whole ritual thing and you basically you're exploring the senses you're getting the smell of it you know oh it's yeah you're nodding away there you get it yeah I just, yeah uh, do you know what I love a coffee I mean I have many things to say and what you said I love a coffee my students uh, the other week um are concerned about my addiction to coffee is what they said and at that point I said I've only had one coffee today so far and they're like, well, so have we, but that's the only one we're going to have. And you've just said, I've only had one so far. <laughs> but, you know, I love a good coffee. Um, and, yeah, I like that that idea of that. It's that whole experience, isn't it? And I think things like tea and coffee, they serve many different purposes. It can be, you know, if you're happy, have a cup of tea or sit down for a cup of tea. It could be if you're having a bad day. It's very English, isn't it? Do you want a cup of tea <laughs> if you're having a bad day? Um, but um, it, does, it does come back to the ritual on on the weekend we went um the rugby was on men chasing funny shaped balls which I have no <laughs> interest in at all um so <laughs> husband went off to watch rugby and I sat I was like yeah I'll have a cup of tea so I had my book um and I'll come on to my book in a moment and they brought it out in this like silver like a silver pot and it was loose leaf so they had like they had like the little loose leaf catcher and then it had like a little silver milk jug and it was just such I don't know, it's such a ritual. It's like felt such an indulgence mm. to kind of come back to 
wow, this is a really simple act, but it's bringing me back to the present and I'm savouring something that often, you know, we eat, we drink in front of the TV or in front of the computer or while we're working. And it just was really just kind of there and in the moment. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I kind of had my book and I will admit, you know, I love reading. I've my my in my office, I've just got like books around, you know, everything, you know, mindset, performance, flow outdoors you know the lot um and what I've kind of learned over probably just the last six months is actually I need to in a way give my brain a rest and I've kind of rediscovered fiction and actually sometimes just having a good fiction novel that you can really lose yourself in is just transformative um Mm. Yeah, I've got a few kind of um proper like chiclet books on my kindle and because I have so many books and I'll read a lot of factual stuff a lot of I guess similar stuff around mindset and that kind of stuff and yeah occasionally and particularly because I am also a real learning junkie and I'm always studying something kind of academically as well and so if I'm reading a lot of articles and writing about them sometimes I just need to switch off but I still want to read and so I'll read something that I don't want to say it's a trashy novel because they're enjoyable in their own way. <laughs> but sometimes you just need something like that that's really lighthearted and just a really easy read to lose yourself in, like you say. Yeah, I, I love books. I've, um, yeah, need more space <laughs> for my book collection. They're just everywhere. Um, I wanted to say as well, um, you said about sort of getting up um, during the day and going for a walk. And I have a four-legged friend. Um, but he is a very fair weather <laughs> four-legged friend. <laughs> so if it's raining, forget it. He won't go out. Uh, sometimes he'll just, you know, I don't want to go out. He um, so he has a dog walker that comes in now. And she messaged me yesterday when she popped in because he just wanted to sleep on the sofa. And she was, <laughs> she felt bad. It's like he's a little old man. That's that's fine. Aww. But how, how old but is he? He's ten. He's ten. So he's enjoying his retirement, and most of the time that means sleep on the sofa. But when we do go out, and he does, he does go out, and he does enjoy going out. Um, one thing I try and do when I'm walking with him is, if I find I'm too much in my head with my thoughts, is just to run through my senses and just think, okay, what can I see? And so I think about seeing his big grin as he's running along, and seeing the birds, and seeing the trees, and then think about what I can hear, what I can feel, what I can smell. I always find taste a weird one to do in that situation because I'm like. I don't know. I can't, I can't really taste anything. Um, but, you know, you said about engaging with the senses and that's something I like to do just to mentally run through them as a way of bringing myself back into the present moment um, and sleep. I'm awful <laughs> with sleep. Um, something I've just been uh, talking about actually for um, an episode of the podcast that I have become this morning person with my um, my fitness routine in the morning but I haven't adjusted the night owl thing. So I'm just not really sleeping enough. And so that's something that I'm working on uh, this week and going forward trying to put in that ritual, like you said, because I think that's really, we like rituals. I think that's something that we we find them comforting. Um, and I think that's something that I need to take away from this and actually have more of that wind down routine because otherwise I just get more and more tired and like you said I definitely get the brain fatigue and I'm just aware that I'm not at my best because I'm just really tired so 
that's going to be one of my takeaways definitely <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's I think it's so interesting the way that you've you've trained yourself to be a morning person because <laughs> I was doing, I was doing some work in, with a client in London last week around um priorities and decision making during the day and mental energy and you know how does your mental energy kind of flow throughout the day when are the peaks when the drops how could you work with it and this kind of concept of oh well you know I'm I'm an evening person I'm not a morning person and that fixed mindset and actually you know you can you can shift your behavior if you want to be a morning person you can be a morning person it might sound utterly unappealing though you can you know gradually five minutes five minutes five minutes wind the clock back and just get on with it um and it, it does it comes down to this I don't know I kind of got to get fascinated by the whole energy and how your energy changes throughout the day um and ultimately how can you work with it because you know our brains they make up to what is it like thirty five thousand decisions on a daily basis so I think coming back to the rituals the rituals in a way ease some of the decision making and that's you know very much I look at my kind of daily life and yes there's there are a lot of routines there's a lot of rituals there's a lot of non-negotiables um as well so then you don't even have to think about it it's not a factor it's not like an extra cognitive burden that I'm placing on myself that I need to debate internally it's Mm. just you know you can focus on bigger things in life okay so you know from a business perspective from a purpose perspective from a future aspirations or simply being in the moment rather than worrying about I don't know what am I having for dinner tonight or you know whatever whatever it is and what I found worked for me and it was a struggle (laughs) to start with because I was completely not a morning person at all um but actually it very much now is just a routine my alarm goes I get up and actually because I go to a CrossFit class every morning and so one of the things that's very um, powerful for sticking to it is you get told off or have to pay if you cancel that late. So you can't just think, oh, I'm going to stay in bed because you'll have to pay for it. Someone else can't go because you're being lazy, basically. So there's that push for it. Um, but when I get there, someone tells me what to do. So I don't even really need to think about what I'm going to do for a workout to make sure I get a balanced workout throughout the week. Um, I just turn up, basically. Um, some days that's harder than others but yeah it's just become a routine and the alarm goes off this is what I do there's no thinking about it there's no I'll have five more minutes and snooze the alarm and actually when I started the year I did three mornings a week and I found the two mornings I didn't get up I was way less productive Um, I would snooze my alarm and sleep in and then I would just find that the rest of the day I wasn't as productive so now do Monday to Friday and yeah it's um I think it's sticking with it to start with to get that habit in place which takes a while and then yeah it's just a routine it's just just what my life is like now and and I think just building on what you said about when you got there you kind of you were told what to do Mm -hmm. and I think having that external and clearly you know, you, you, you've placed an element of trust in the instructor, you, you know, he's, he's experienced, he's got the mm-hmm. skills, you've ultimately outsourced that task. Um, and I can very much, you know, I work with a coach with my training, I have, in a way, outsourced that task. He, mm-hmm. he you know, he tells me what to do. If, he, if I've got a day off, I've got a day off. If I 
don't have a day off though if he hasn't I, I will tend to train and just do something pointless but having a day off gives me permission to rest and you can bring that into you know I work with you know I've worked with several coaches um in my coaching career and by being able to kind of externalize things to have that kind of support to have that sounding board to have that challenge to have that kind of push as well but also to have that space safe space and support because you know the coaches I've had they've been like my biggest cheerleader at times and really just been super positive and believed in me in a way that I haven't I think the importance of your support network be that family and friends um but then also from a professional perspective beyond that as well is really really important and putting time to kind of invest in that network and yes I know what I was saying earlier about networking and how that isn't the, you know, the most comfortable thing for me though there are other ways of facilitating connections um and then kind of getting to know people mm, yeah absolutely um yeah and I think like you said there there's that challenge but support because I think if I was just left to my own devices probably quite a lot of mornings I wouldn't go to the gym <laughs> and sometimes I maybe wouldn't work as hard as I could and sometimes it's someone sort of recognizing actually you could do more and they believe in you and they give you that bit of push and then you're like wow I actually can do more and I think that's all about um I guess what you think is possible and that shift in mindset around that and someone who you trust who knows what they're talking about and they're saying no you can lift more than that you can do this and then seeing that you actually can and getting that self-belief but I think also on the, the flip side if you've um, got a little niggle of pain they can adapt what you're doing and there's that support as well so that they're not pushing you too far so that it's dangerous or it's something that you can't do and and if you've got things that you're so I'm not a great runner I'm not great at burpees either and actually that's something I've been working on doing and pushing myself with but there are supports and adaptations if there's something that you can't do and I think that's I guess the mark of a really good coach isn't it that challenge but also support so that you are progressing but at a rate that is comfortable and sustainable but not too comfortable but do you know what I mean that kind of sweet spot in the middle and 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 that's the thing we all have days where actually we kind of need a bit of love and when you know when I'm working with you know my kind of my clients sometimes someone will arrive in a conversation and you can just kind of tell by the energy and the way that they hold themselves that on a bit of a low kind of thing and okay Mm -hmm. so how can you acknowledge that how can you hold the space for them to process the emotions though to then move through it and it's kind of knowing when an element of challenge is appropriate Mm -hmm. and yes you kind of session to session make connections and yes you can share observations and patterns and trends that you've noticed um though ultimately sometimes when you're kind of face-to-face person-to-person and if someone's had a mentally and emotionally draining day, actually, how much capacity, how much scope is there to, you know, be visioning or grand planning or creatively? Sometimes it's just about being with a person and acknowledging that actually where they are at this moment in time, it's hard. It's mm. difficult, um, which, you know, 
thankfully there, there there does seem to be a shift around the mental health we've still got a bloody long way to go excuse mm. the language um <laughs> though it's it, it, it we, we, at least we're facing in the right direction yes yeah absolutely uh so um i'm gonna go into my next question for you um so my buzzwords are joy and meaning um and they're sort of the values that i've come to really um, identify with as being important for me and so also important for what psyche is all about uh, so what makes life meaningful for you so for me it is about having uh, driving driving change and contributing to the bigger picture and which is why connections are so important to me and it's been a part of a bigger global community which is why I'm always keen to like align myself with bigger like global organizations where I can you know yes volunteer my time and contribute my expertise because that gives me in a way it's a bigger platform it's a bigger reach you know being you know I'm work for myself and when you're outside organizations yes it gives you a very unique perspective and that facilitates a lot of the work I do because I'm not part of the system I'm not part of the cultural norms and though ultimately how can I reach more people and how can my actions um create positive change and that's why you know through my coaching work I do enjoy the one-on-one conversations and I never just think I'm not just touching one person. I'm actually working with that one person, but then their actions have so much influence across the company because of where they're positioned within the company um, ultimately. So it is like a multiplier effect that I really, that that's what drives me. That's what gives my life meaning. Um, and yes, I do get an element of, I, you know, I feel so privileged and honoured to work with my clients. I, I am posi- I'm like positively inspired by them on a daily, daily basis. They're doing amazing work. Um, and for me to be able to serve people and to be a part of the process, ultimately to partner with them so that they are looking at their work and their life and who they are, you know, down to an identity level, and they're willing to experiment and make changes and take a risk. I think that is just inspiring. It like goes beyond words. Um, and if I can be a facilitator within that process, and I can position myself, and yes, through the listening and the questioning um, and the challenge and the support, then you know that that's for me. That's enough. That's a job well done, and that's what. I'm here to do and did I always know that I was going to be a coach and work in the realm that I did it's a bit embarrassing as a coach to kind of go "Mm, no there wasn't a plan there wasn't a goal I had no clue um and you know I left school without I had no idea what I wanted to do I joined the army as a a kind of a let's get away from the northeast it's a career um for me it was independence um and opportunity to travel see the world and you know ultimately be a leader so I I got a lot out of the army but then when I left the army you know nine years later I still didn't have a clue what I wanted to do fell into the kind of leadership and development world learning and development and then it was 
just organic. It emerged. It was the connections I made, the conversations that I had. And for me, being open to explore who I was, not me who was in the army, who was, you know, yes, I was in a certain system. Um, and yeah, the military back in 2000, going and sitting in Iraq and Afghanistan was a, a challenging environment. And I learned a lot through that. Though ultimately in my transition into, you know, my second career, my second life, I've learned just as much. And it's kind of, you know, looking back now, it's easy with hindsight to see the golden connections. You know, now working in the outdoor space, well, that's obvious. As a child, I kind of roamed around free range and spent every possible minute outdoors. I joined the army in a way partly because I didn't want to sit in an office. So, you know, it makes sense. It fits together. Though when you're kind of looking at it from the different end, often you don't know in life. And that is the thing, you know, sometimes you meet some people who they know that they want to be a doctor and that's all they ever, ever, ever want to do. They have that certainty. And then actually a large proportion of the population don't have a clue. They might be in some job that they absolutely hate and they have no idea, like, where do you even start to unpack that? Um, Particularly when you've got certain responsibilities um, and you can think that your options are, like, really limited. Um, Though, I don't know, I ultimately believe that if you set your mind to it, there's a way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you can have that feeling, can't you, if you're established in a career, even if it doesn't feel right and you don't enjoy it, that there's too much at stake to make a change or um, maybe you're in a headspace where everything about your job is something that you don't like. So even trying to unpick what are the skills I'm using that I enjoy that could possibly help me move into a different career you can get into a point where you you can't even see that or imagine that because you're so frustrated with where you are and i think oh, hit my mic um i think working with young people that you know we're kind of preparing them through education and almost expecting them to pick a direction aren't we where they want to go where they're heading and i mean i didn't know what i wanted to do at that age and it's only recently that actually i found you know, where I fit and what I want to do. Um, So do you think maybe we're kind of preparing people too early saying like, choose, choose a direction. And maybe we need that life experience behind us or some of us do to actually find where we fit in or, you know, what we're meant to do. I think there needs to be a far greater emphasis on life skills, on mental wellness um, and discovering you know who who you are um Mm -hmm. and I think when you're you know when I was younger like finding you know where where I fitted who I was and we all grow up modeling behaviors patterns communication from our caregivers whoever they may be and you know the very best intentions behind it though who are you as an individual um and I know for me going from very much kind of private school to university to Sandhurst how much space was there for me to kind of explore who I kind of who I was and I know that sounds awfully privileged and I realized that by saying it um and I was so fortunate in so many ways um I was desperate for a gap year I just wanted to get away and just to I don't know just to be me um though I I didn't have that opportunity because of my military, the support that I was getting from the military. 
Um, so even when I left the military, I was like, I'm having a gap year. I just, I just need that time for me just to kind of carve things out. I know it sounds utterly indulgent. Um, though, you know, how do you discover, you know, where you want to go when the school system is in a certain way and it's about passing exams and actually, well, okay, so passing exams, um, I promise not to run too much about, um, the education okay. system. Um, it's, I, I just don't think we're equipping um, our younger generation with the skills that they need to live successfully and thrive within the society that we have created. The school system at the moment is archaic. It's stuck back in the, I don't know, 40s from last century or even earlier back in the Industrial Revolution when it was created to provide workers for you know, a system that is now redundant. And, you know, now we need people who need to be creative. You know, as a knowledge worker, it's all about, okay, so how can I look after, you know, ultimately my brain? And actually the way that our lifestyles are living out, we are not looking after our mental health or our physical well-being. And that, I would surmise, has some influence on what we're seeing now arise as you know, challenges of the 21st century. So, you know, we are living in a really complex time where the the roles that, you know, both of us work in, unfortunately, in a way, they're sorely needed um, mm. so that we can, you know, be the best that we can be because we're kind of up against it, really. Mm. And I think that, you know, I definitely share some of the, um the frustrations with the education system and I think that's part of the desire to move outside of the system because I love teaching young people I love working with young people but not within the system as it is because I find it so frustrating to just be banging against a system that is not set up for so many young people and I'm you know I'm teaching psychology at the moment it's such a fascinating subject but there's that exam at the end of it so actually what we're doing we're not really diving in a really deep way into psychology we're not getting to look at really interesting things about how humans function we've got a syllabus to follow which fortunately is a very interesting syllabus but it's all about that end goal and how to pass an exam and with you know and then the anxiety and the stress that comes around that because for psychology it's three exams at the end of the second year and so it's so much pressure on that that small thing and you know I'm probably not a very good teacher and that I say to my students you know obviously the exam's important but no three exams are going to capture everything that you are capable of you know your potential you know you could have you a, a bad exam because you're not feeling well you didn't sleep well or you're feeling particularly anxious or something like that and that is not all that you are and I think you know as I've got older you know you go through university it's not and into work it's not all about that piece of paper as much as I like collecting those pieces of paper (laughs) it's you know there's so much more to that and I'm sort of trying to say that to my students that obviously I've got that that side of working for a school of having to encourage them and get them through the exam but I think from my my sort of coaching side, it's actually wanting to look after their mental well-being as well and say, yes, it's important, but it is not the only important thing. And if you're going to, you know, really stress yourself out and get yourself not in a good headspace about those exams, it's ultimately that's that's not worth it because, yeah, it's, you know, the toll on your 
on their well-being is can be so great and you know I've always worked with students before my current role that actually the exam system just in so many ways was not set up before so I mean I'll stop because I could <laughs> also ran about education yeah and I just it, it's almost like I just like to fast forward it because I work with a number of clients who are they're potentially they've had you know they've worked at one company maybe for three or four years and moved on to another company um and they are questioning their purpose like their deeper purpose with and their alignment with a company and often this will be exhibited kind of day to day around what you know what satisfaction are they getting from the role what is it from the role that is affecting their you know their emotional state their mental well-being on a daily basis and a lot of the time it will come down to their perception of performance or feedback around their role um and how you know they can go from high to low dependent on what their manager says and it comes down to attaching value to an external source and the need for validation from an external to an extent that their identity is crafted on their performance of someone else's perception and the kind of conversations that I've had will link back to and yes you know within coaching where's the space yes you know it's all very much forward looking though to what extent are you comfortable to go into the past to kind of explore things and I know that that kind of moves into the psychological realm um a couple of kind of uh coaching models that I incorporate into my coaching come from a you know a psychotherapeutic background mm-hmm. so it depends on the client you know some individuals are very much firmly in the future space don't want to go there others are more receptive to it so you know it's it's that part of that kind of you know testing and getting to know to know your client and you know ultimately we are shaping students through this exam obsession to identify with their kind of like their values and identity level it's it's reduced down to you know a number mm-hmm. which there are then longer term implications on you know how they perform with you know kind of from a career perspective mm. so it's yeah it's it's so so interconnected and how it is approached from a career perspective and yes as we move forward the rise of technology AI how what's that going to kind of bring into the party we're going to change careers and roles far more fluidly it's not as if we have like one job for life in the same company thank you very much I'm now going to retire and put my feet up as the whole retirement myth in itself is a construct that is convenient though that in itself is it's not real Hmm. I don't know what I mean maybe when I get to retirement age whenever that is, because, you know, the keeps changing, doesn't it? I don't know whether I actually could just not do anything. I'm sure, you know, I I always do so much. There's lots of stuff that I enjoy doing. I don't know that I would get to a point, and particularly now finding something that I'm really passionate about. You know, I'm not sure that I get to a point and go, well, do you know what? I'm not going to do it now. I'm just, you know, going to, I don't know, watch game shows and do the crossword, which is kind of not all that my grandma did but <laughs> something that she loved to do um and I wonder maybe if that's also like a hang-up from having that one job for life that maybe was a job that actually wasn't that fulfilling because that 
maybe wasn't what work was about it was about just having money and putting food on the table that kind of thing and actually now that we have more of a focus on finding work that's fulfilling and that's enjoyable maybe that idea of just giving it up I don't know maybe it's a little outdated as well Mm, I, I, I think it's I don't know, for me, retirement is a bit like, I don't know, it's a bit like a death sentence. And <laughs> for me, I would be insufferable to live with if I, I don't know, thought of putting my feet up and doing cross-stitch all day. Oh, I, I you know, I, and it, it doesn't align with who I am. How is that contributing? How is that giving back? Mm-hmm. And, you know, from a wider societal consciousness and linking to the environment, how can how can you ultimately make the world a better place how can you make a difference um and just the thought of yeah stopping and not having that curiosity at the world not learning not making connections not traveling it it just it seems like an anathema to life it's not a life for me that's Mm -hmm. the way I see it and I know I totally respect that everyone is different and some people can't wait to get to retirement and I don't know put their feet up yeah, but I, I do wonder if there is a link um, to how much satisfaction you have with your current working life. And maybe mm. if you're more satisfied, you're less likely to be looking forward to retirement, maybe. Um, or maybe if you have a job that isn't satisfying, you're looking, you know, you're looking forward to stopping it. Or it might just be that you're really busy and you're looking forward to having a break and, um, I don't know, a long holiday. I mean, I probably would look forward to that. <laughs> so we've kind of uh, touched on mental wellness a bit through some of our chats. Um, but what does mental wellness mean to you? And how do you look after your own mental well-being? So uh, it's, a, it's, it's part of a broader wellness approach. So, yes, there's a mental element of it, though it is so, for me, intrinsically linked to my physical well-being and my you know emotional well-being and then to what extent do you link that to like a, a deeper kind of spiritual connection as well um it's for me it's it's impossible to compartmentalize it to be honest um and in a way it comes back to the rituals and the fundamentals and if if they're in place then that encourages me to live a life of wellness, to flourish, to nourish, um, you know, to nourish my, you know, my body, mind and soul. And whether that's through what I'm eating or what I'm reading or who I'm spending time with, that is all absolutely um, connected. Have there been times in my life when my mental well-being has potentially not been so great? Um, we all fluctuate to be honest I think it's a bit of a roller coaster ride how much you acknowledge it in the time can be a tricky one you know you can live in a bit of a state of denial um or kind of patching things up or making the best of things or you know strong British upper lip kind of thing Mm -hmm. fight on through and all the old cliches um you know I know when I was living in Riyadh at the beginning I was not in a great place. I moved from Maroubra, um, just along from Bondi. Um, I had an amazing set of friends. I really enjoyed being there, a very outdoor life, weather, load of cycling, active part of the triathlon community, to then going and living in Riyadh, where 
I, you know, I went, my husband was working out there. I went, I went initially, I didn't have a job. My business had no clients. Um, I was setting up shop. I didn't know anybody. I was living on a compound which had a perimeter of 1.5 kilometers. I had to wear an abaya every time I went out. You know, it was such a restrictive lifestyle that for me, I just felt like my identity had been stripped away. Like everything that I love doing, be that walking to the beach in my bikini and going for a swim, well, I couldn't even like drive to the shops. I had to, you know, wait for the driver or get my husband to drive me. And you can't wear what you want. You have to wear an abaya, which is basically a black sack. And I found it amazing how much I felt stripped of being a human being by wearing this black sack. Um, And I know that from, you know, the Middle Eastern perspective, and once I kind of, once I bridged the gap and got to know people and moved beyond like the expat compound, which I found very insular. And in my perception, as, as I was living there, I don't have kids, no desire to have children. It's, you know, everything very much centered around the, the, the kids, the nursery, play dates, yada, yada, yada. So I, I didn't have that. So I wasn't a part of that. Um, and didn't really want to be a part of it either. Mm-hmm. So then how do you craft out your, your place in the world, your niche? How do you make connections um, and meet people who are like-minded? Um, and that it takes time. So yes, it was a very lonely time. Um, I wasn't, I didn't have as much presence, you know, online or on social media, which I think, you know, now would have been a really big support. Um, so I was very isolated. Um, though once I reached out and it was through coaching, um, I basically managed to track down a local Saudi coach, an amazing lady called Reem, who has driven the profession forward in Saudi Arabia when it wasn't even recognized as a profession. Um, but reaching out and working with her and then, you know, meeting others from within her network and then pulling together other expats who worked either within the therapy or within yoga or within Reiki. So we had a real cross section of alternate therapies. Um, and that as a community was really enriching. And we, you know, we supported each other. We learned from each other, which was a really valuable lesson to me about how important your community is. You know, before I think I kind of, I knew it, but I kind of took it for granted because it was kind of easy to flit in and slot in. You know, like in Sydney, the triathlon club was there. Oh, hello, I'm a member, brilliant. Set our friends on the doorstep, let's go. Though being in Riyadh, I very much had to create that and hunt people out when culturally there's massive like barriers. And now, you know, I'm looking back, I feel honoured to have been able to have an insight into um, some of the Saudi um, into the, in the ladies into their lives because they are absolutely phenomenal. Um, a lot of them being educated in the West have then gone back to Saudi. They've set their own businesses up. They are a driving force to be reckoned with. Though that initial period when I was there for me was definitely a bit of a a mental a mental mm-hmm. low. And you know, yes, you have periods in your life when things can be you know, not, not so great. I know for me that even annually, the changing of the seasons, as we kind of go into winter, I struggle with Um, having lived overseas, you know, I, I just love the warmer weather. I just seem to blossom in a bit of heat, which is ironic, considering yes, I'm a Geordie born and bred. But this time of year with the shorter nights, and the lack of sun and the, the, the the rain, I just want to hibernate. Um, 
and yeah whether it's kind of my brain waking up in the morning there's like lack of joie de vivre uh, which I know if I'm in you know the French Alps where I spend a lot of time in the summer I'm just content being there so I think it's important to recognize actually that influence that your environment does have on your um you know your well-being your mental well-being emotional well-being physical well-being because mm-hmm. they're just you know so connected yeah absolutely and I think sometimes we're if we're having low mood, I think we always think about ourselves and, um, you know, what's going in on with the thoughts inside our head or how we're feeling and that kind of stuff. And and sometimes actually like the seasonal um, external environment having an impact, sometimes there are things outside of ourselves that explain, in a, you know, partly explain how we're feeling or hormones as well. I think sometimes mm-hmm. we don't you know, really appreciate how much of an impact they have on how we're feeling. And we might feel absolutely dreadful. I think, why am I feeling like this? And actually, it's just hormones are a bit kind of haywire at, at some point, and, and that's what's causing it. And I think, you know, maybe we need a greater appreciation of all these other things that do have an influence on how we're feeling. And um, rather than just concentrating on the thoughts and, and kind of what's wrong with me, that kind of thing. There's just you, You've just triggered this two two bits. <laughs> that I would love I'd love to share um the first is the work of Lisa Fieldman Barrett mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've come around to her work on emotions before um she has an amazing book how emotions are made the secret life of the brain um she's done a TED talk uh you aren't at the mercy of your emotions and she has a really like challenging like a lot of the contemporary thought around emotions and how we construct them um, which is it's very it's empowering once you kind of read it and you realize actually how much control we do have mm. um so I found it quite liberating to read that and when I'm working I've kind of facilitated workshops uh, you know coaching kind of style workshops and very much use her as a as an example and I do I do think that it kind of comes back to emotions in the workplace and it's again we're beginning to aggress it though it's still a bit like the elephant in the room is that we are emotional creatures and sometimes when I'm kind of work into like you know the corporate environment it's almost like the e-word it's like can't say the e-word um I was working with a company and they just had like a massive big office move and you know any change transition emotions come up though encouraging some people to talk about that it's like oh no no that's not done around here um so it's like a big kind of cover-up though it's <laughs> there in front of us so yeah the emotional piece is isn't is an interesting one yeah mm-hmm. absolutely and we do have so much control like you say and I think is that when you think about like happiness as a choice that and when you're starting out looking at that and that journey you might think well how you know everything's awful how can I choose to be happy but actually you can learn to shift your mindset you can learn to interpret things in in different ways and and I think that's something again back to school (laughs) you know I don't think children are taught enough about understanding their own emotions that's something that I've done quite a lot in my teaching career with the young people I've worked with is understanding their emotions managing them being able to deal with I think anger in particular is the big one isn't it because actually that can be masking other emotions whether it's you know sadness or frustration or disappointment you know we put on that angry front if we're feeling vulnerable 
but I think we're not taught how to deal with them how to understand them and like you said in the corporate world and even sometimes in school it's that we've got to be ready to work you know with our brave face on and we're not going to talk about emotions we're not going to talk about the things that make us human really (laughs) we're just going Mm -hmm. to work and uh yeah (laughs) we're we're, we're all robots to output tasks yeah (laughs) absolutely being flippant (laughs) (laughs) and I think you know I think you you were saying that your kind of mental wellness is tied in with you know your general wellness and I think the the impression I'm getting kind of as we're talking is that you very much know um your values and the things that work for you and the things that are kind of in in alignment for who you are and then actually if you're living a life that fits in with all of those things then you're almost kind of caring for your mental wellness within that because you're living a life that works for you that is enjoyable for you that's meaningful for you um yeah and if it's all kind of aligned then it's I don't know working (laughs) I guess that's yeah and it it does it kind of comes back to everything kind of fitting together you know ultimately I'm I'm an athlete and I'm a coach and I want to be role modeling ultimately my values no I don't always get it right none of us ever do um Mm -hmm. and you know I'm probably as guilty as anyone else as you know setting the boundaries and how do I ensure that I'm giving myself enough time for self-care and to replenish and to recharge and to you know relax you know we're all work in progress um Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, that's what's exciting. What do the next kind of 10, 20 years yield um, moving forwards? Mm, absolutely. So, again, we've we've kind of touched on this um, a bit as we go through, but here is the kind of killer question that everyone finds the most tricky, um, which is to describe your mindset. So it comes back to that innate curiosity at myself and the world mm-hmm. it always change it always changes um you know on an hourly daily basis and i ultimately believe that we should be exploring the world with that inquisitive inquisitive nature and like learning something new each day so that kind of forms like a bedrock of mindset and i aspire and notice the caveat there I aspire I aspire mm-hmm. to be kind um to others not always successfully to myself not not always successfully mm-hmm. though though that is the intention um does it always come out that way no does it sometimes get misinterpreted misconstrued no do I have to own that yes um do I then you know try and change the future yeah yeah so I think it, it does it comes back to that kind of curiosity and kindness at the heart of it um because I think if you've got those two then you're kind of setting yourself up Mm, yeah uh so um I think we've had you know quite a few suggestions of things that you know that people can do and I definitely have some already that I'm going to take away from this talk but if you could leave people with between one and three tips that they could put in place right now that would have a massive impact on their life I'm not sure I can really actually I think it's just going to be a reiteration (laughs) of like the top three that I've mentioned to just kind of like triple emphasize them to be honest um I I do think that if we all spend more time in nature it would improve um 
our our life um there was some research done in i think it was finland and the optimum time per month to be spent in nature or like the minimum is is five hours so like a minimum of five hours a month get outside and be in nature and within nature you know i know that a lot of us live within very built-up environments there is still nature in there somewhere um whether it's like a park um you don't have to be traipsing enough to the outer hebrides for some remote wilderness though i do encourage that as well from time <laughs> to time for us a proper retreat but ultimately kind of get yourself out um in in nature and just have that element of movement um within your life we all spend far too much time attached to computers be that 10 12 14 hours um a day and actually how is that affecting our posture um and how is that from a longer term basis um bringing kind of irregularities within you know your lower back and your shoulders and your neck where do you hold where do you where do you kind of manifest stress a lot of people that's kind of like in the neck or in the top of the back or in the lower back and so it's kind of having that element of movement um whether that is running or swimming or whether it's something more like yoga um and we i know that you know you you've kind of did your qualification earlier this year and yoga is something that i've embedded within my life over the last eight years Mm -hmm. um and for me you know movement is really important and that's where I used to go to you know relax and recharge though for me yoga it's embracing stillness to recharge and discovering the power of breath and breath work as well is just transformational and the lessons that I learned from my yoga practice be that in the um, asanas or the pranayamas to then take back into my running to take back into my coaching conversations as well and I had an amazing conversation with a client recently around yin and yang and the complementary of the two and actually you know it's the cycle you need both and a lot of us are lacking on the yin so how can you generate that yin within your life um so yeah we've kind of gone movement nature a bit of yoga um yeah. And I do, I think it comes back to, you know, you want to nourish, you know, nourish, nourish your body, mind and soul. Um, ultimately, I kind of, what are you, what are you fueling yourself with? Whether that's from like a physical basis as of what you're actually putting in your mouth. Is it, you know, genuine real food or is it some form of Franken food that you look at the label and you don't actually recognize half of what's on it? What are you, um, you know, fueling your mind with? What are you reading? Who are you surrounding yourself with? You know, when you look at the closest people that you spend time with, you know what are they like because you can read a lot about a person as to who they spend time with you know what are their attitudes like how positive are they how do they inspire you how do you inspire them because ultimately it's like it's a two-way thing and I I'm constantly inspired by my clients um and from my running perspective you know I get some really kind feedback saying that oh you know you've inspired me to you know go and do a marathon or an ultra race or something and I'm ultimately dealing just I'm just as inspired by the person who's doing it it's like we can all strive to be better together and like lift each other up there's enough to go around and it's about having that mindset of collaboration as mm-hmm. opposed to kind of scarcity and competition because that's not what it's about yeah absolutely I think sometimes there's that that fear of then like you say not being enough to go around and so feeling that competition particularly I guess in in the workspace but actually there is enough to go around and actually it's much better for us and probably for the world with that collaboration with that 
you know, working together and sort of moving forward together. Um, it's interesting with the yoga because I find actually I really like like flow yoga, like dynamic mm-hmm. yoga. And actually, if I want to still my mind by doing something that is quite full on, <laughs> so I don't have time, I can't think because if I do a mm-hmm. fall over, actually that's sometimes what I need to quiet the thoughts rather than something more gentle, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic, and I I I really enjoy flow as well, particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to an amazing class in Bradford on Avon with mm-hmm. um, a, a chap called Yoga Ben. Um, I know him. Yeah, well, I've done a it, class of his before, I think. Yeah, and I, I'm looking to do my practitioner course mm-hmm. next year, more as a ongoing exploration for my practice and getting mm-hmm. to know myself. Um, and I am very mindful of how much learning I permit myself to do now on an annual basis. And it's about, I don't know, what, what can I commit to um, other rather than kind of getting overexcited and signing up for so many things because there can uh, be the danger in that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I hear you. I, this might be the first year where I'm actually like maybe I've taken on too much learning, even for me. <laughs> There's so much to do and it's it's trying to find that time but I probably always will be doing something and learning something because I think it's it's something I enjoy actually I find a lot of the time I'm in that kind of flow state I'm you know actually if I'm reading something kind of psychology based I find it recharging I don't find it draining I'm you know I'm in that state so I enjoy learning in that way so I don't think it's something that I would completely cut out and I think it's also really important for my personal and professional development but I might just do one course at a time <laughs> rather mm. than three uh, which and, is and kind that's of... because like this year I kind of made a shift and I was like okay we're not doing any courses um though conferences are different so mm-hmm. for me I set myself the challenge of speaking at conferences mm-hmm. so yes you're still within that kind of learning environment and connecting with others Though there was also that opportunity to share my knowledge and experience and put my twist on it. And actually, even in the preparation work of planning and preparing how I was going to facilitate the sessions, that meant I was revisiting certain material, doing certain research, learning new things to them to be able to present it, you know, in a really accessible format so people could take something away, whether it was a 30 minute slot, 45 minute slot, hour and a half minute slot. Um, and that's what I found really just a different, it's like a different form of learning. Um, and that's the thing I think nowadays there are so many different ways to learn that it's that any, anyone can do like some form of learning, um, because there's so many different formats out there. What I really like seeing is, you know, I'm lucky at the moment, I've got some students who enjoy learning, probably some who are just doing it because they have to. Um, but there's, um, a company called the center of excellence. They do these online courses, lots of holistic stuff. And I'm in a group on Facebook and there are these adults who are kind of coming back to learning and they're just doing course after course, after course of things they're really interested in. And they've suddenly like reawakened this love of learning. And I just think that's fantastic to see like people who maybe were put off at school, kind of moved away from learning you know, oh, I'm so glad school's over. I don't have to learn anything anymore. But actually, they're coming back to a format where they're 
they're doing a course, they're doing assignments and they're loving it and they'll finish one and then they'll start the next one. And I just think that's a really positive thing to see because, I mean, I love learning. I've just, you know, gone about it. I think it's really linked to growth, isn't it? And that kind of change of mindset and change of perspective and, yeah. And it it does, I think in a way, I don't know, for me, once I finished school, I was, I was done. University was a total waste of time. I wanted just to, you know, have a job and earn some money and just get on with life. Um, three years at university at that point in my life, I was just, I'd worked so hard, GCSEs, A-levels, like total conscientious student. I was done. Um, so it wasn't until 10 years later, early 30s, that I then re-engaged for me with learning. Um and yeah, since then it's been an ongoing, ongoing process. Yeah, I think there's definitely times of life when you might be more receptive to learning, and then other times mm-hmm. where it's a case of focusing on other things. Um, and it, you know, there might be peaks, there might be troughs, and it's a question of, you know, hopefully when you're in a kind of a learning mood that you do have the resources and the time that you can. Mm. Absolutely. I found, you know, I got through school, got through college and uni for my first degree, which is okay. They were definitely, I think my second year, I was not feeling really. Um, And then I had a couple of years sort of away from studying until I sort of found what I really wanted to learn. And then since then, I've mostly just been studying, but I think I needed that bit of extra time, like you said, to be in the right place for learning and to be receptive to it. And I guess to find the thing that I was really passionate about learning, because I think, again, that's the thing at school that it, there's, you know, as you get further through education, there is in some ways more um, opportunity to explore your passions, although sometimes it's quite focused um, still. But, you know, when you're starting at school, you're just studying what you have to. And so that can lead to not being the most engaged with it or not being the most enjoyable and I think and I think that there's you know there's so many different ways and means and you know I'm really curious just around how coaches um utilize the outdoor space or invite nature um within the coaching process and you know it's an element of oh I could go and study a master's and you know unpack it further you know I've already got one master's do I really need to get another one there's other ways of you know reaching out and forming communities and sharing knowledge um and you know I love I love blogging um you know sat down in front of the computer and pulling my thoughts together and doing some research and that in itself you know has has an audience I think there's there's definitely so many different kind of platforms that you can you know learn share relearn um and often it's a lot Mm -hmm. of kind of relearning because you're like I kind of knew that already um yeah but but, yeah (laughs) yeah I think sometimes you need to hear something lots of times for it to seep in um I find podcasts um you know since I sort of discovered podcasts and I listen to lots of podcasts now and I find that I learn a lot from listening to them and I, I find it interesting. I'll listen to a podcast and I'll recommend a book or they'll recommend uh, someone else or have a guest who's on another podcast and then it takes me down this, um, you know, down the rabbit hole. <laughs> and I'll end up, you know, all these other podcasts, all these other things to listen to. Listen to. But I think they're a really good tool. Oh, for, I, I, de- um, definitely. For learning more. Yeah, po- podcasts are 
an amazing way of like getting to know um I think like the style or a flavor of somebody um mm. and you know I've really enjoyed being guests on other podcasts and you know I really you know thank you for inviting me onto um yours today um yeah thanks for coming <laughs> um so yeah I think podcasts can be you know amazing and I'll often even you know working in London I'll listen to them like on the on the train on the way up on the way back um though I have in a way pulled back a little bit and just in a way to listen to music at times I think mm. sometimes if there's always something going on or we're always receiving kind of something that we need to analyze or digest in a way that in itself is it's some kind of form of mental processing and at times mm-hmm. I'm just like particularly if I've come out like I have a coaching session or I've been facilitating a workshop and it's been like really full-on I'm just like just pause, just listen to some music, <laughs> let your brain kind of go into, you know, into neutral. And rather than having to, I don't know, be alert and go off down some knowledge quest type thing. Mm. I quite often, I am, um, when I'm in the office working, I have Bluetooth headphones, kind of like big noise cancelling out headphones. And um, my work phone is the one that my podcasts are on and my music is on my personal phone and my headphones sync to both phones. And so normally I just press play on the headphones and sometimes it'll be podcasts, sometimes it'll be music. And sometimes that's quite a nice surprise, <laughs> you know, what the headphones think I should do um, for which one it, it favours. But I find sometimes if I need to concentrate, you know, I have to turn, yeah, turn the podcast off, put on some motivational music and, um, if I need to knuckle down and get some work done, that's, you know, what I go for. <laughs> so, but it's back to like we said, you said at the beginning about music being, you know, really, really powerful and really, yeah, important. Or, yeah. Uh, so how can people connect with you online if they'd like to know more about what you do or Yes. So if I would, I'd love to kind of hear people's thoughts on this, you know, on the podcast and the range of subjects that we've like touched on, um, feel free (laughs) to join in the conversation um, when you listen into the podcast. I'm always, always really um, intrigued to kind of learn what people take away and also their experiences as well. Um, So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm pretty active across various forms of social media. Um, I've got my Twitter account and Instagram account, both exactly the same, uh, which is at RFM Coaching. So that stands for Reach for More. So it's at RFM Coaching. I will admit that my Instagram one is more predominantly running based. Um, Just that's just kind of the following. It seems to be uh, within the Instagram world and pictures of running seems to um, (laughs) gather interest. Uh, whereas Twitter is more balanced um, and uh, I find it just a great platform to kind of to be able to share articles or podcasts um, mm-hmm. whereas Instagram is more kind of like the the, the pictures um, and a bit more kind of inspirational chats um, LinkedIn as well kind of more from a business perspective um, and yeah on Facebook as well though um, not 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 quite so much I know that you know when you're trying to maintain a range of kind of social media presence how it all kind of pans out and then I've got my website um, as well which is www.rfmcoaching.com so it kind of nicely aligns the RFM coaching regional coaching um yeah 
but we can put a link in the show notes for people as well. Um, and I think well, one of the things the podcast is about is about informing people, inspiring people and empowering people. So, you know, Instagram, if it's about running and it's inspirational, that's definitely, um, you know, I'm going to check it out, although I don't know that you've converted me to being a runner. <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? Do you know what? I do have in my head that I'd like to do some kind of challenge something. I've, I feel that kind of urge to do something adventurous, something like long. Well, this, the <laughs> but river, I don't know what the it river, is. The River Dart 10K sounds insane. I mean, I like, <laughs> I like swimming. Actually, do you know what? One thing I do want to do, I want to do a Solent swim because that is where I grew up it starts at Fort Gilkicker and that is like my home beach um across to the Isle of Wight and it's only two and a half or three miles depending on the tide which is still further than I swam in one go before but maybe I'll do that oh I think you've I think you've just you've just put it out there (laughs) like everyone's going to be checking up on you okay so what's happening (laughs) what's date yeah Yeah, supportive I don't know but but I do think now that I've got more into um into um being more active and kind of fitness on a more regular basis and really enjoying it and feeling the benefit I yeah I do feel I want to challenge myself a bit more and I do have in my head that it would be good to run but um I think there are other things I enjoy more that maybe I'll explore first but I do feel that that urge to have a bit of an adventure or a bit of a challenge that's beyond just going to the gym every day if that makes sense so maybe maybe a solent swim is on the cards do it do it do it that can be the networking swim across across the solent i don't know how much productive networking you'll do chatting (laughs) but i don't know i think the thing the one thing that I'm always, I don't know, the one thing I see when people are while swimming, they have the massive big dry jackets, like the big, fleecy, cozy, and that just, they just look fab. Like, I'm almost a convert. The thought of getting out of the water, putting it on, and then, like, having a nice hot coffee, though the swimming beforehand just, mm, no. (laughs) I don't have one of those yet, but I do have a towel poncho, and it is fab. And mine is a black Roxy one, I think, or or um, might be Billabong. I don't know. Anyway, and I wear that. And actually, what we were doing uh, over the summer, we would go for a swim, and then we'd go to a cafe, a farm shop, which was amazing. And they knew eventually. <laughs> they knew after a few times that we would swim first and then go there. And I'd walk in in my poncho, my towel poncho, and I normally would then go and change. But actually, because of how it looks, people don't realise you're wearing a towel. <laughs> so it's great. So you could sit and have coffee. You know, just. <laughs> this towel poncho Uh, and so that is a fab addition definitely worth the money but maybe if I want to do more winter swimming I might have to invest in a dry robe yeah good it's an investment it's an investment (laughs) yeah yeah maybe maybe I don't know I don't think a wetsuit is that great for uh, like breaststroke swimming because of the kind of movement and actually I do think there's a lot of benefit from the cold water it's really good sort of anti-inflammatory and all and all of that and I'm going to do a whole podcast on wild swimming but there's that mental thing I think when you get into really cold water and it was cold enough in the summer and a bit of a mental game to get in so the winter um we shall see we shall see <laughs> mm, I will I will I will await <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, um, one thing I didn't we uh, we didn't touch on, and I think we should just finish by by sharing uh, because I was having a little nose on your website beforehand, and uh, and so you talk about the ultra running that you do there and the kind of rankings. Um, and do you want to sort of share your kind of current world ranking because it is quite amazing? <laughs> oh, the numbers game, the numbers game, and I'm sure yeah. they'll, they'll change the rules for next season. It's um, an ongoing. <laughs> um, working out what the rules are so you can't actually play the game. Um, so the Ultra Trail Ball Tour is a series of, um, you know, prestigious races, which includes um, the Marathon de Saab, which is uh, what some, some people might kind of sometimes have heard of, or the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. And, you know, they're, they're all over the world. Um, so last year, which was 2018, it was my aim to rank in the annual rankings and you have to do two races. Um, and I, I placed 12th um, overall, which was um, an amazing achievement. And then this year, I kind of I set myself a different challenge, um, which was to rank in their three year kind of rolling rankings of which you have to do five races over three years. Um, and I'm currently 10th. Um, though as it's rolling clearly it'll continue to kind of shift and change as the races kind of pass um though yeah it's it's kind of surreal in a way I can't quite believe it um how it's kind of all fallen into place and it's it definitely kind of brings a lot of things together sometimes you know you can kind of set yourself a goal like one race um and that in itself can be like a massive challenge though the fact that as you know I've linked you know, two races and then in this situation, like five races together and it's that kind of consistency over time. It's just mm. like a bigger, a bigger picture, kind of more strategic view. Um which, you know, it's it is it's it is a massive achievement and it's something that I kind of I don't know, almost haven't properly digested um yet or celebrated um enough, which I really do need to kind of let sink in particularly as the end of the season kind of approaches and I start kind of thinking towards 2020 and what my um, kind of challenge or aspirations are from, from, from next year, though it is so important to kind of factor in a break in between um, yeah. before um, you kind of go charging into the next thing. So, so yeah, um, thank you for kind of bringing, bringing <laughs> that up. I do find it, I don't know. It's not something I kind of really normally talk about. Um, and my husband is very much, you should be promoting yourself more. You should be pushing it more. You know, <laughs> you've done so well. Um, though, you know, I mean, within the ultra running world, it's, it's, it's like a niche in itself. So when you're not even part of the ultra mm. running world, it's kind of like, what is this? Kind of, I don't understand. But I, you know, I think it's amazing. So oh, <laughs> well done. Um, and uh, do you have any more races planned? this year do you have anything uh, up and coming not that you're not not for? not this year no I'm, I mean I'm up in the Lake District next weekend and I've got a little 10k which is part of the Kendall Mountain Film Festival which is like an annual pilgrimage up and um, to be inspired mm -hmm. it's a bit dangerous you always kind of go away with like ooh ideas <laughs> um and then I don't know next year I was, I was just talking to the athlete manager um earlier today about um what support I you know receive um and what you know races are they they might be targeting from like a a, a war um athlete team perspective and whether any of my races align or not um i've got one race i'm committed to in april next year in nepal 
which is the Mustang Trail Race, which is an eight-day multi-stage race, which I've wanted to do this event for about five years. Um, it's, it's, it's really small. I think there's only about 50 people do it. Um, but it mm-hmm. just looks beautiful being up in the Himalayas. Um, and the male-female ratio is about 50-50, which is really unusual um, for wow. events like that. You know, when I stand on the start line of some of the bigger ultras, you might get 13% female if you're lucky um so there's definitely a bit of equality um that needs to be readdressed within the ultra running world but that's Mm. a totally different topic (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think um i mean we've obviously talked about our different views of running in this but i just like the way you said a little 10k (laughs) and it's that different mindset and view isn't it that you know a 10k is a 10k and to you it's a little 10k and to me it's like what Although saying that, I have done a half marathon before, but I mostly walked it. But I did do it. Yeah, at, um, Silverstone around the uh, the track. Um, but uh, yeah, it just shows you know that you know what we've been talking about that the same situation can be viewed in many different ways. And so. and, and almost the event I did the last, the event I did last, um, which was my first DNF, which in itself was a an interesting space to be in. Um, there wasn't much running going on there. It was extreme hiking. It was brutal. Um, so with ultra running, depending on the terrain, it can be a close call sometimes as to whether you're walking or running. Um, mm. And I do definitely, I enjoy the running side of things to break it up when it's just extreme hiking. It can get a bit, I don't know, I find it a bit slow, a bit tedious. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, um, they are all my questions, and uh, I'm quite conscious of the time yeah. and not messing up your your evening routine. <laughs> it's nearly routine bedtime. It's nearly bedtime. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just kind of aware of you. You know, now we've talked about sleep and how important it is. You know, about not messing up your routine. I know. Too much. I need. I need. Campbell Tea is calling. Um, <laughs> so it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on, and I I wish you the best of luck with your podcast series. Um, I'm sure that all your Thank listeners you. will get so much value from the the guests that you've got um, that you've had on so far and um, that you've got lined up to come. Yeah, thank you so much. And I've, I've really enjoyed talking to you um, in a slightly different kind of arena, not in a kind of coaching relationship way. Um, and I am definitely putting on my list to check out some walk and talk networking um, to kind of come along to some of those. So I think that'll be cool. Well, we've got we've got yeah. one. The next up is I think it's the twentieth of this month in Devizes, so it might be a bit, um, a bit far east. Though our twenty twenty schedule, I'll be meeting up with Wafa uh, actually on Friday, and we need to start scheduling. Okay. Um, the twenty twenty. We normally we normally do still have one in January, December. We don't do because December just gets a bit crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, with celebrations and people have so much going on um though january mm-hmm. we very much kickstart it um yeah so yeah hope to see so, you at an event in yeah. the future definitely january count me in heard it here <laughs> <laughs> i'll be networking um i'll have a, a slightly freer schedule shall we say from january and much more focusing on podcasting and coaching and doing all of that so definitely getting out there and networking will be a good way to start the year i think yeah, perfect um, so. yeah look forward to seeing where where you go next um 
exciting times yeah. on all the different projects that you've been kind of putting together alongside your full-time role and just seeing how they take off yes and uh good luck with you know everything you. coaching running <laughs> everything chamomile tea yeah. um and um thank you so so much for coming on and yeah we'll put um your social media details in the show notes so people can connect with you and i am as soon as we go off this call going to follow you on twitter so twitter well everything <laughs> instagram to try and get some kind of running inspiration so that when i have to run uh, in crossfit i'll be like it's just around the block it's just 600 meters come on <laughs> anna marie runs 100 me- 100 kilometers in the mountains i can do this so <laughs> Well, well thank you so much and uh bye <laughs> yeah take care catch you later <laughs> bye. and there we go how amazing was that talk so thank you again to Anna Marie for coming on the podcast and we'll put links in the show notes and I definitely will be staying true to my word and going along to one of the walk and talk networking events in the new year. I'm really excited about that. So hopefully you've taken some inspiration from this um, and maybe thinking about ways that you can be more active, get outside, have that movement. And I think definitely as we're getting into sort of late autumn, winter, it's getting a bit harder, I guess, to motivate yourself to get out. And it doesn't have to be a run, although... Do you know what? I've I've kind of I had I was listening to um, a song actually at the end of another podcast, the Quit Your Day Job podcast um, by Kathy Heller, and it's a song, and it says about wanting to be wild, wanting to be free. Um, as one of the lyrics, and I just had this vision of sort of running through a field, like hair flowing behind me, and and I definitely think that that image uh, seeped into my subconscious from chatting about running uh, a little bit with Mackenzie last week and then a lot with Anna Marie this week so who knows um, maybe one day um, but definitely I'm feeling inspired and like I mentioned at the beginning there will be something coming in the new year um, me sort of taking on board some of the ideas from chatting to all of these guests and especially a lot from this podcast so yeah think about how you can get outside and you know it's getting colder it's getting wet um but uh, you know I still think there is so much joy to be found in you know crisp winter's day uh maybe harder to find in a really wet winter's day or autumn day um but you know there are still those moments of joy out there and and you know the benefits of being out and about are fantastic uh, I'd love to say that you know I was out and about in the river swimming but I have not been since the summer um partly because of work schedules and not being able to find the time but it's definitely something that I'm missing quite keenly and I definitely want to get back in as soon as possible and I'm having a bit of a change up of my uh, my work schedule my circumstances in the new year uh, which is not not necessarily the best time to go jump back in the river but I did say I wanted to do some winter swimming so that's definitely something that I think I'm going to take from this that motivation to sort of get out there and yeah be active be in flow all that kind of stuff so thank you again to Anna Marie for coming on the podcast and like I said at the beginning 
next week we're going to be talking about burnout we're going to be talking about feeling overwhelmed and it's going to be a solo podcast so it's just going to be me chatting but I would love to hear your thoughts um, and your experiences with burnout feeling overwhelmed any of that stuff so please do get in touch and you know if you've enjoyed this please share it with someone that you think would benefit from hearing it and it would really mean a lot uh, if you could rate and review the podcast I haven't mentioned this yet but I'm going to mention it now um I can't believe it slipped my mind we got our first ever review <laughs> on iTunes a five-star review um and it's super exciting and um I don't even know how I came across it because I just searched the podcast on iTunes um possibly to send the link or you know something like that and it said we had five stars one rating um and I'm just trying to find it so from Nina Talks thank you Nina Talks um it says mental wellness exclamation mark I'm so excited for this podcast I feel like a lot of people don't really touch on the subject of mental health host is a great voice thanks <laughs> keep up the great work thank you so much Nina Talks that really means a lot um you know it's it I don't know it's just a nice boost to know that um people are listening and people are finding it valuable and mental health is definitely something that in future episodes we're going to dive into a little bit more it's something that we sort of touch on with the mental wellness um but yeah definitely a topic that's really close to my heart um and what I'm really passionate talking about and you know once I get going it's really hard to stop me uh so definitely something that is going to come up in future episodes um so yeah please rate review share connect with us on social media connect with Anna Marie as well and yeah have a fantastic week get outside if you can I am going to get outside as soon as I finish recording this and take the pup up around the block it's cold but it's not raining so he's all right with cold uh, just not the wet have a fantastic week and we'll speak to you next week bye <music>